Props to your, to your pastor, though, because I just love uh, his heart to serve. And he, he, this is selfish. He makes me feel good because no matter what I say to him, he reacts like I'm saying something actually good and important. And I'm like, wow, he actually thinks that's, I'm going to call. See, that's why I call you. I'm getting affirmation because no one else listens to me. I'm like, I could, God, give me some encouragement here. I'll call Jesse. He, he fakes like he's listening to what I'm saying. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a reciprocating relationship here, man. So, now I'm just thrilled to be here with you guys today. How many of you, let me ask you this question. Um, and you don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to, but raise your hand, you know, if, if, if you're like, all right, I'm open about this. How many of you guys came to church just kind of expecting not a whole lot today? Anybody just kind of like, yeah, going through the motions? Yeah. How many of you guys would rather walk out of here having experienced God doing something in your heart, in your life? Raise your hand if you'd say that. That's what I want. And you know how good God is? I think he wants to do that in our life. He gives us the desire. He puts that desire in our heart to experience life change. And so I just want to pray for us for a moment, and we're going to jump into this. Is that all right? Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we've been worshiping, we've been praying, we've been just communing with you today. And Lord, I pray that in these next few minutes, that whatever I have to share, that Lord, it would... It would be something that you would endorse, that you would approve of, because it comes from your word. And I I just pray, God, for every hungry heart in here, for those of us who know who you are, and even for those of us here that may yet know who you are, God, I pray that you'd meet us at our point of need, and that you'd fill us with your spirit and your presence, and that when we walk out of here in a half hour or whatever it is, God, that, that we'd be very grateful that we came to worship you today. And I just pray that you do something in us that's profound and changes our life for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you guys ready? Okay, all right. So um, I wasn't a very good student in high school, but I looked really cool. In fact, I've got a picture here. That's my senior picture. Now, okay, I know you're like, oh, that, that's pretty good. You, you like the sweater? Is it, do you think that's the coolest, or are you thinking the hair? Like, come on, man. Like, like sir, you could use some of that hair. You know, that's, that's my senior picture in high school. And I'll never forget being in Mr. Perry's, I think it was sociology class. I, can't, I don't remember if it was sociology exactly, because I kind of had a little bit of a fog going on in life at that time. But I'll never forget sitting in his class, and I sat in the back. In fact, I sat in, the, in like the back corner over there, the ladies where I was talking to you this morning. Like, that's where I sat in class. And Mr. Perry was one of, the, one of those guys who, you know, he wore his, his khakis and his button-up, and he had the tie on, you know, and the white shirt and the big old glasses, and could he use some of that hair? You can take the picture down now, please. Could have used some of that hair. And, and I'll never forget the day that I pushed him over the edge. I can't remember exactly what I did or what I said. All I remember is he looks at me and he just starts to turn all red. And the veins in his neck start to bulge a little bit. And he looks at me like this and he yells. He says, Mr. Rogers! And I'm like, whoa. 
man, I ticked off the teacher. I'm in trouble now. And he says, Mr. Rogers, do you realize you're the only senior in this class? And he was right. All the rest were freshmen and sophomores. I don't know how that all happened, but I was the only upperclassman in the class. You're the only senior in this class, and you're the only one failing getting an F. I know, that's how I felt. I was like, whoa. And he was, again, telling the truth. I just wish he would have done it in a little more private type of way. Totally fail in the class. Anybody here ever failed at something? Raise your hand. I mean, come on. Have you, maybe it's at work and you failed to deliver on a project or you lost an account or you didn't come through. Maybe you got fired for not showing up something. I mean, maybe you failed on the job. Or how many guys, how many, anybody here married? Raise your hand. Anybody ever feel like you're failing in marriage, I'm come on, be honest. This is a moment of like marriage failure. Like, oh man. Okay, let's go a little further. How many of you guys are parents? Raise your hands. Okay, you ever go, God, I'm such a failure as a parent. What's going on here? They're never going to turn out like functional human beings, right? Anybody else, or is it just me? Don't leave me alone on this one. Uh, yeah, I mean, okay, let me ask this question. You ever, not only have you failed or have we all failed, but you ever feel like a failure? It's like, oh. I'm never going to figure this out. Well, let me just remind us what we already know. Failure is a part of life. It really is. I mean, is anybody here an Ohio State Buckeye fan? Yes, failure is it's a part of life. And, you know, it's just, <laughs> it's just it is. It is. So what I want to do for a few minutes is I want to reframe failure for us. And here's... Here's the, here's the idea I want to give you. And then we're going to dig it into Scripture and unpack this. But I want to say before I throw it at you is, if you are here, I mean, this is for every single one of us. But if you're here, let's say you're 25 and younger. I want to double down on encouraging you to grab a hold of this. Because I guarantee you that you will be able to come back to this and stand on what I'm about to share with you this morning. And it's going to help you in your life as you move forward. And here's what I want to throw at you. Is that failure is an event, not a person. Failure is an event. It's not a person. When God created you, he didn't create a failure. When he made you, he didn't make a mistake. He created you and me in his image. See, failure is an event. It's not a person. And when we look through scripture, we see over and over again people whom God used to fulfill his purposes on this earth who failed much along the way. And I want to point one person of interest out this morning and it's this guy named Peter. Everybody know who Peter is in the New Testament? Just think of this before we, we read something. Peter's resume is quite impressive. He's one of the original 12 disciples. He's an apostle. God uses him by the Holy Spirit to write two books in the New Testament, First and Second Peter, right? 
Most scholars will also say that the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark, was Mark writing down what Peter was telling him to write. Peter's the guy who Jesus said to him, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He has a pretty darn impressive resume. Yet, he had a number of moments where he just failed, where he blew it. And it makes me think, how could, how could such a man like that, who God has used in such a profound, huge way, how could he fail so often? Well, I think I have the answer. Because he's just like you, and he's just like me. He's a human being. So let's look a little bit at this. Go to, if you have your Bible with you, turn it to Matthew chapter 14. First book of the New Testament, the 14th chapter, okay? Everybody say Matthew 14. All right. You still with me? We good? Okay. So let me set up the, the deal here. So Jesus just performs a miracle. Like he, they, they take some fish and some bread and he multiplies it and they feed over 5,000 people. Okay? So they feed all these people and then Jesus says to his disciples, hey, get, get in the boat, go across the lake. Now this is the Sea of Galilee. It's a pretty big lake, all right? It's not some little thing to go across the pond. Go across the lake, and I'm going to get away. He's trying to get away and spend some time in solitude and prayer. So the disciples get into the boat, and they go in, they're you know, going across the water, and um, it's about 3 o'clock in the morning, all right? So here we go, chapter 14, verse 25. It says, about 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. Now just pause here. If you read the Bible, you've probably read this a few times. Just re-engage with the reality here. He's walking on the water. He's suspending natural law. He's walking on the water. Verse 26 says, When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. I mean, wouldn't you be? I mean, you see the silhouette of something coming towards you, a, a human being walking towards you in the dark on the water in the middle of the night on the lake. You'd be like, ah! I mean, I would be. I'd probably need a diaper at that point. It says, in their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost! Verse 27, but Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid. He said, take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him. Here, here goes Peter. He says, Lord, if it's really you, Come on, think about it for a second, guys. Who else is it going to be? It certainly isn't going to be Jesse Cabrera walking on water. I guarantee you that, and Marty will confirm it. He says, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Like, Jesus, if it's really you, can I do that too? But I just love this guy's audacity. And then, uh, and then uh, verse 29, yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Now, how many of you guys have heard this before? Come on, raise your hand. And how many of you heard it like in church, someone's like teaching on this and they're preaching on it, they're getting all excited. I mean, I've heard this taught on a ton of times. And here's normally how it goes. I'll, get, I'll do my best Jesse Cabrera rendition. <clears throat> <clears throat> Gotta work myself up for this one, man. When the Lord calls you to step out of the boat 
and on to the water. And you take that step of faith, trusting Him. And when the winds and the waves are swirling around your life, threatening everything, trying to suffocate you and take you down, and in that moment of despair, what do you do? You reach out your hand. And you say, Jesus, save me. (laughs) And He grabs your hand and He pulls you up. You know what I have to say about that kind of stuff? Amen. Amen, right? All day long. All day long. But here's something where my mind goes when I read this. Is when you're the only one stepping out of the boat, everyone else sees when you start to sink. And when you're one of those who chooses to trust God with what he's calling you to, And it doesn't go according to plan. Those who are watching are going to see you start to sink. But let me encourage you. Whenever it happens, just remind yourself that at least you stepped out of the boat. Right? And if you are ever embarrassed because it looks like you're failing in what God's called you to do, Wear it like a badge of honor because you trust him enough to let him use you. The results are up to him. Let's get back to the text. All right, so here's what happens. Verse 31. It says, Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. And he says, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? And then verse 32, when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. But let me reread something. Jesus said to him, you've so little faith, why did you doubt me? How many of you guys, when you read the Bible, you're probably like me, you read it in a a tone of voice, like in your head, you imagine a tone of voice when you're reading it. Anybody here like that? Let me ask you this question. Do you think at that moment, Jesus is rebuking Peter or celebrating Peter? Allow me to speculate, okay, because I'm speculating. Because in my, like for so long, I've read that with a tone of voice in my head where Peter walks on water and he freaks out and he gets all afraid and he starts to sink. Jesus saved me and Jesus pulls him up. And in, in the tone of voice I've read it before was like, Peter, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me like he's rebuking Peter? But what if he's celebrating him? What if his tone is entirely different? What if he's like, Peter, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? Dude, you were walking around the boat. Wasn't that awesome? Do you realize what you were doing? Yeah, your faith is small. Why did you doubt me? Think about it this way. Put it in the terms of for you and me. Let's say you're, you have a, uh, a four-year-old child. We'll call him Jimmy. No, we'll call him Jesse. <laughs> and four-year-old Jesse, it's time for Jesse to, to shed the training wheels on his bike. And you're taking Jesse out into the driveway to get him off the training wheels. And, you know, I can imagine, like, you know, we have three kids, and, you know, we've, 
a lot of us parents have been there. You're like, all right, Jesse, you got training wheels are off. It's okay, you know. It comes from the core. We've been working on the core exercises. That's your center of your gravity and balance from there. Okay, Jesse, I'm gonna let go, and you're gonna pedal down the driveway. Okay, here we go, Jesse. Here we go, Jesse. Go, Jesse. Yeah, Jesse, go, Jesse. Yeah. Oh, Jesse, you punk. Jeez, what do you do? What? What, Jesse? What? Why did you crash? Gosh! How many of you guys know any parent in their right mind would never do that? Right? You wouldn't rebuke your child for pedaling halfway down the driveway before they wiped out. Why would our Heavenly Father do that? I'm speculating. Peter walked on water. I think Jesus was celebrating him. Yeah, you had so little faith. Look what you did with so little faith. I don't know. I'm just saying. But let me suggest this. Here's the thing. Is that failure, failure isn't fatal. Well, only once can it be. But failure isn't fatal. And when, when you step out of the boat and you trust God, and it doesn't go the way that you'd expect, celebrate that you stepped out. It's not fatal. It's not fatal. And I'm about God celebrating your faith. Let me show you something here. I wrote this down because I want to make sure that I say this. The real danger, I would suggest is staying in the boat, you know, spiritually speaking. Like, if you're a follower of Jesus, and as a follower of Jesus, living a risk-averse life, never doing something that requires God to show up and come through, that's the dangerous place to be, if you ask me. Because that's the unfulfilling place to be. That's where the real danger is. Step out of the boat. And here's the deal. We all said we failed. Right? We're all in this. We're all kind of level playing field. Failure is an event. It's not a person. So when you and I fail, because we will, here's what I want to encourage you. Don't waste it. Learn from it. Learn from it. God, Show me what I can learn in this that didn't go the way that I wanted it to. God, I just fell flat on my face. I don't want to waste that pain. Help me grow because of it. And just ask God to show you, God, what are you showing me here in this failure? What are you showing me? Learn from the failure. Don't waste it. Okay, let's get back to Peter. Go to uh, Matthew chapter 26. So Matthew 26, Jesus is pretty uh, close to going to the cross, and he, he's, he has this conversation with his disciples. He, he basically is like, hey guys, this is the Scott paraphrase, they're going to come and arrest me, and they're going to beat me up, and they're going to crucify me, and they're going to kill me, and the disciples, are, and, and then Jesus says, and you're all going to desert me. 
and they say, no, 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 Lord, not, not us. We are with you. And then Peter pipes up, right? He's the extrovert, and he says, Jesus, I will die with you if I have to. I will never desert you. I'm with you. I'm in this to the finish. No way I would give my life for you. So Jesus is arrested, and he's being beat to a pulp. And he's on this little trial, and they're beating him up, and all the disciples desert him, but Peter kind of hangs back and watches from a distance. That's what's going on. So go to Matthew 26, verse 69, all the way down there. Meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. He's watching them beat up on Jesus. It says, a servant girl came over to him and said, you were one of those with Jesus the Galilean. And well, let me, let me back up here. Because when Peter said, I would die before I deserted you, Jesus said back to him, no, really, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. He's basically saying, before the sun comes up in the morning, you're going to deny me three times. Okay, back to our text. Verse 70, in response to this, this girl, but Peter denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Everybody say, number one. Next verse. Later, out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it, this time with an oath. So he's getting more serious now. He says, I don't even know the man. Like, not only was I not with him, I don't even know who he is. Everybody say number two. A little later, some of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said, you must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. Verse 74, Peter swore, a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. Number three. And immediately the rooster crowed. Suddenly Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. What's the next sentence say? And he went away weeping bitterly. Now, I know it's hard to fully empathize with this moment. But just try to put yourself there. You have just vehemently, repeatedly disowned the one who's totally invested in your life. And who's changed your life. The one who's done miracles before your eyes. The one in whom you've set the vision of the rest of your life in following and being part of this movement. And you just outright denied him. And scripture says that Peter went away weeping bitterly. Have you ever failed someone you love? You ever, you ever failed yourself? I got like three, three limbs on that one, the kung fu. You ever feel like you failed God? Here's the deal. You know, a moment ago I said failure isn't fatal. Failure isn't fatal. But I want to suggest that failure 
is final if it becomes our identity. You see, we all a moment ago raised our hands and said, oh yeah, I failed. I failed more than once. We all fail. It's a part of life. But when failure, we take on failure as who we are, then it's final. That's a really tough place to live. Because when we believe not just that we have failed, but when we believe that I am a failure, we begin to sabotage so many things in our life. Because we believe that winning is something that we don't deserve and we shouldn't have. And we start to sabotage relationships. Even when it's going good, oh, this is awesome, but at some point it's going to fall apart because I don't deserve that. Or the job's going well, like, man, this is great, but I'm just waiting for it to go south. And we start to behave in alignment, becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy that, you know what, really at my core, I know who I am. I'm a failure. And it's going to fail. Failure is an event. It's not a person. Yes, you have failed. You are not a failure. If we learn from it and we grow through it, and here's the awesome thing, is that God loves to redeem our failure. Let me prove it. Can I? Turn to Acts chapter 2 in your Bibles. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, right? Acts chapter 2. Let's get back to Peter and see what God does here. So, Jesus has been crucified. He's risen from the dead. He's appeared to hundreds of people. He's spoke to the disciples. He's commissioned them and said, go into all the world and share this message. You know, the gospel that I'm, I'm the risen Christ. And scripture says in Matthew 28 that Jesus literally ascends to heaven before their eyes. Crazy moment. And then in Acts chapter 2, about a month later, a little more, verse 37. People hear, like, God pours out the Holy Spirit. People are getting all ruckus, like it's Resurrection Life Church in Holland. And they're worshiping crazy. And they're making noise. And people are coming around going, what's the commotion? What's going on? And then um, all these people are standing around. And Peter speaks up. Because it's Peter, right? It says, verse 37, Peter's words pierced their hearts. What words? He was talking about the resurrected Christ. It says, Peter's words pierced their hearts, meaning they were very convicted. And they said to him and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. Now I come from California. And it's true here and it's true there. The message never changes. We each have to repent of our sins and turn to God. Regardless if we like it or not. Or if it's politically correct or not. He says, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. He says, Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then down to verse 41. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about how many? 3,000 in all. 3,000. Now, <laughs> grasp the immensity of this moment, guys. Just a few weeks previous, Peter says, I don't even know the man. I swear, I don't even know who he is. 
weeps bitterly. Fast forward four or five weeks. Who's the person God uses to be the first one to voice the gospel, to share the message that Jesus is Christ, Jesus has died for our sins, Jesus has been raised from the dead. Who's the person God chooses to use in that moment that births the New Testament church and 3,000 people come to Christ? Who is it? Tell me God doesn't love to redeem our failure. I mean, come on, guys. Yes, we've failed. I've done stupid stuff. I've let myself down. I've let other people down. At times, I feel like I've let God down. But he loves to redeem it because he wants to show his glory. He wants to illustrate his grace in our life. Failure is an event. It's not a person. And maybe you're sitting here today and and you just maybe, maybe you didn't realize it till this moment or maybe you have and you kind of stuffed it or maybe it's at the forefront of your mind about a failure that you've just walked through. Yeah. But we all have. It was an event. Some of you don't believe me. It was an event. It happened. Would you wish it had gone different? Yeah, absolutely. Is it done? It's done. God, show me what I can learn from it. And God, redeem my failure. Use all of my inadequacy. Use all of my weakness. Use all of my human frailty to be a vessel where you can say, yeah, but look how good I am. Because I'm putting this person back together again and I'm going to use them to bring glory to my name. Failure is an event, not a person. And if you will choose to embrace that, you'll be able to move forward in life not fearing failure. You'll embrace it and go, man, come on, bring it on. Bring it on because those who fail most often are more successful because we're figuring it out as we go. I got to wrap it up or else I'm going to get all Pastor Jesse on you and get all crazy. let it go, man. God redeems it. God redeems it. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord. The failure, it's an event. Peter, you use Peter. Lord, I don't know everyone's story here, but I'm pretty confident that none of us were there in the day that Jesus was being beaten to a pulp and in that moment even denied knowing him, God. I don't think we've failed to that extent. So God, if you can do this in Peter's life, you certainly can redeem every failure in our life. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want to pray for you, and I want to ask you two questions. The first question is this. Do you, is there a failure in your life that's on your mind right now that you just want to just lay it down and submit it to the feet of Jesus? 
saying, God, here it is. You know about it. I know about it. I admit it. It is what it is. Help me learn from it. Anybody here saying, man, I just want to let, I don't want to keep holding on to the weight or the shame of this failure. Raise your hand. Come on. If that's you, I'm laying this failure down today. Father God, for those of us in this room that are just laying it down, God, I pray that we'd be able to walk out of this room in a few minutes and be free from any guilt, any shame from this failure. God, we ask you to show us, help us learn from it so that we can grow and Lord, redeem this situation for your glory. With our heads bowed, our eyes closed, one more question. And it's this. We will always fail when we try to be good enough to be loved by God. And maybe you've tried to love God so much, believing that that, that performance was going to be good enough to receive God's love, that he would love you because of what you've done. And according to Scripture, that always falls short. We cannot perform our way into God's acceptance. That's a failing endeavor from the start. But what does bring us into his acceptance and his relationship with him is simply saying, God, you want to talk about failure? I've sinned. I've sinned, and I've, I've, I've turned my back from you. I've never really surrendered my life to you. But today, I choose to surrender my heart and my life to the one who redeems every failure in my life because you are the Redeemer. And maybe you're here today and you've never made that decision to give your life to Christ. And you're sitting here going, man, okay, if this dude, if Scott's telling the truth that God loves to redeem our failure, that sounds like a pretty good Heavenly Father to me. I want to get to know Him. And I want to begin a relationship with Him. And maybe until today you haven't had that relationship with Him. And may I just say to you the same thing Peter said, that we just repent of our sins, we turn to God, and we say, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you went to that cross so that I didn't, ha wouldn't have to. And I believe that you've risen from the dead and you're alive, so live in me. I want to live my life following you. I want to surrender my life to you. Jesus, I want to submit to you, and I want to live the life you've created me to live. And you're sitting here today, and you're like, man, that's me. I've never made that decision before. But Scott, would you include me in this prayer to give my life to Christ? to receive him as my savior. Heads are bowed, eyes closed, moment between you and God. You say, Scott, include me in that prayer. I want to give my life to Christ today. If that's you, just shoot your hand up real high. I just want to see who I get to pray for. Yeah, I see your hand in the back. Praise the two of you guys. Praise God for you. Who else? Scott, include me in that prayer. Yeah, another one over here to, to my left. Awesome. Who else? Yeah, way to go. Praise God. Anyone else? It's not... You know, it doesn't matter if I see you or not. I just love to celebrate who I get to pray for and pray with. Okay, guys, let's do this. We're all going to pray together. And if you raise your hand, I want you to raise your voice with us. We're going to pray as a family. You guys with me on this? We're going to support these folks and pray with them. Everybody pray this. Say, Father God, I surrender my life to you. I believe Jesus is your son, that he's died on the cross for me that he's risen from the dead. Jesus, you're alive. Be the Lord of my life. Be the leader of all of my life. Redeem every failure. 
Fill me with your spirit. Show me how to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, guys. Let's give them guys a hand. Congratulations. Congratulations. Awesome way to go. Pastor Jesse, appreciate you, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hey, give it up for Scott for that powerful word. You know, if you made that decision, you know, whether you raised your hand or you didn't, you wanted to, you know, and maybe it was that little battle. It doesn't matter. It's not the hand. It's the heart. Okay? That's the heart that really matters. If you made that decision, I want you to hear me really closely. Whether you are accepting Christ for the first time or maybe you're recommitting your life back to Christ, you just want to get back on track to follow what he has for your life, I want you to do me a favor. Fill out this connection card. It's in your bulletin. This is a tool that helps me and Pastor Daniel connect with you guys. Now, whether it's, hey, this is my first time accepting Jesus Christ or I'm recommitting, we want to, we want to first of all, pray for you by name. But not only that, we want to head, uh, put you down a, a certain funnel, a certain route to take. And the first thing what we encourage you to do is go to growth track. Okay, there are three things that we want you to understand, all right? You can know God, all right? You can find freedom, and you can discover your purpose that you are, why you were created for this world and what to do here. And we want to make sure that you guys have the right tools in your hand. Not only that, if you made that decision today, we have a gift for you. It's this new book, a book called Your New Life. Just go to guest services and say, hey, I just, I made a decision. Can I get one of those books? And we would love to give you that as a gift for making that decision. All our heart is, is that we want to make sure you get the right tools in your belt because you have a purpose and you are not a failure like Scott said. You are someone that is brand new in Jesus Christ. So I congratulate those people. Hey, before I dismiss you guys, let me remind you we are doing a fundraiser again. We're continuing the fundraiser for Kids Camp. If you have a prompting in your heart to just sow, go ahead and sow. If you're just hungry, go get some elotes. I'm excited about it. You're going to see me at the table over there in just a little bit. Hey, everyone, let's stand up. Let me bless you guys out. Father, I thank you right now for the word that you've given us through Scott. I thank you that every single one of us can apply it into a way that you have for our lives. Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you for using us for your kingdom, for your glory. We give you every breath of ours, Father, in the name we pray. And I just declare right now a blessing over every single one of these people as they, as they leave transformed out of these doors. In Jesus' name we pray and we all shout out, amen. Hey, love you guys. We'll see you guys next week. Like a tree planted by the water, we never will run dry. So living water flowing through, God, we thirst for more of you. Fill our hearts and flood our souls with one desire. Just to